Hello and welcome back to The Average Shepherd. I'm your host, Deacon Sam, and thank you for joining me on the podcast. We're now up to Sunday in the 22nd week of Ordinary Time, and today's homily is called, You Can't Fake It Till You Make It. Today I'm going to be making pretty heavy reference to the first reading, but I'm going to start us off by reading the Gospel. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered round Jesus and they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with unclean hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and the Jews in general follow the tradition of the elders and they never eat without washing their arms as far as the elbow, and on returning from the marketplace they never eat without first sprinkling themselves. There are also many other observances which have been handed down to them concerning the washing of cups and pots and bronze dishes. So these Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not respect the tradition of the elders, but eat their food with unclean hands? He answered, It was you hypocrites that Isaiah so rightly prophesied in this passage of Scripture. This people honours me only with lip service, while their hearts are far from me. The worship they offer me is worthless. The doctrines they teach are only human regulations. You put aside the commandment of God to cling to human traditions. He called the people to him and said again, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a man from outside can make him unclean. It is the things that come out of a man that make him unclean. For it is from within, from men's hearts, that evil intentions emerge. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, malice, deceit, indecency, envy, slander, pride and folly. All these things come from within and make a man unclean. The Gospel of the Lord. So in today's first reading, we hear Moses addressing the Jewish people from Mount Sinai. And he says to them, Israel, take notice of the laws and customs that I teach you today and observe them, that you may have life and may enter into the land the Lord is giving you. If you keep these laws, it will demonstrate to the peoples of other nations your wisdom and your understanding. So what were these laws that Moses promised, if followed, would bring people to wisdom and understanding? Well, first of all, they include the Ten Commandments, which we've all heard about. Worship God alone, keep holy the Sabbath, honor your parents, don't kill, steal, commit adultery, lie, or be jealous. Now these laws form the theological basis of the Jewish law, and the Ten Commandments are by far the most important. But it's understood that at this time, Moses then went on to teach the people at Sinai a total of 613 laws and traditions, which are called the mitzvot in Hebrew. These included laws about worship, criminal law, civil law, all the way down to ritual purification and food preparation. So as modern-day Christians, we might think of all of these Jewish laws and traditions as a bit quaint. But if you stop to think about it, you'll begin to realize that we live by tradition just the same. Not much of what we do is new. Almost everything about us, the meaning of human life, family, community, It's transmitted to us through traditions and customs. We have wedding traditions, like putting rings on certain fingers, funeral traditions, like gathering for a wake, birthday traditions, like eating cake and blowing out candles, Christmas traditions, like giving presents, Easter traditions, giving eggs, Lent, 
giving up. New Year's traditions like resolutions, local traditions like daylight savings, and parish traditions like processions, fates, and barbecues. So apart from COVID, these things usually happen every year. We mark these occasions and customs, we pass them on, we share them with our family, and they ultimately shape who we are as people, as communities, and as a nation. Well, it was the same for the Israelites. Their specific laws and traditions made them feel proud, and they set them apart as the chosen people of God. So despite the fact that they couldn't always live up to them and they regularly disobeyed the laws, their identity was still in the law and they tried their best to keep it. But then the world started changing around them. The Israelites moved from living in the wilderness to having farms, to living in small towns, to eventually dwelling in cities. In order to keep up with the change, the laws and traditions passed down to them had to be interpreted and reinterpreted in light of their changing circumstances. The rabbis who were the teachers of the law, they gathered up all of these different interpretations into the book known as the Talmud, which contains thousands of increasingly specific rules about the Sabbath, clothing, marriage, business, work, worship and food, and as we heard in today's gospel, down to the washing of pots and pans. The idea was that regardless of circumstance, the Jewish identity would be preserved, even in a non-Jewish world. Don't get me wrong, these kind of traditions can be a wonderful thing. Think of our own traditions. There was a time when pretty much all Catholics abstained from meat on Friday, as a small reminder of the sacrifice of Good Friday, and a sign of one's Catholic identity in the world. Then there's the pious practice of lighting a votive candle for a specific intention or for the soul of a loved one. These are beautiful and helpful traditions, so why does Jesus rebuke the Pharisees for insisting on their traditions by calling them hypocrites who honour God only with lip service, whose doctrines are merely human regulations? Jesus is not rebuking them for keeping the traditions, but because their traditions have become cut off from the faith that gave them life. You see, the Pharisees were happy to enforce the law in the people around them, but they had forgotten the fundamental meaning of the law. Simply observing traditions does not make you holy, just as putting a ring on your finger doesn't make you married. Jesus is teaching us that our traditions should express and renew and deepen our underlying faith, but they are no replacement for our faith. In other words, we can't fake it till we make it. His point is that true holiness, or its opposite, sinfulness, begin in the heart, not in the customs that we follow. So I think when we hear this, we should start to be careful not to fall into the same trap of the Pharisees, of empty customs. I have to admit admit in my own life that not once, but twice, I have walked into a cinema and genuflected at the screen before taking my seat. Admittedly, this was just a simple Catholic reflex action, but it was an obvious example of where a tradition had become detached from its underlying meaning. I did it without thinking. But this week, we're all still in lockdown, and we can't come to the church. But there remain a number of little Catholic traditions that you could try this week, not as empty customs, but to express and deepen your faith, even from home. The first of these traditions is the sign of the cross. We all know it, we all do it, but we often miss its meaning. 
St. John Vianney once said that a genuinely made sign of the cross makes all of hell tremble. The sign of the cross is both a prayer and asking God's blessing. It prepares us to receive grace and it strengthens us to cooperate with it. I would recommend trying to say the sign of the cross slowly and deliberately at different points of the day to give you strength, to guide your actions, and as a sign of your love and faith in Christ who died on the cross for your sins. The second is to light a candle. I already mentioned this briefly before, but I had a conversation with the bishop about candles just earlier this week, and he opened my mind to their significance. He said, Votive candles are a visible outward reminder of our interior prayer. They continue our presence before the Lord and are a tangible sign of intercession. They remind us of our communion with the saints, and they serve as a burning presence before God's throne of grace. So once again, I would recommend, if you can, setting up a small prayer space in your home and intentionally lighting a candle, if it's safe, of course, as an outward symbol of your prayer to God. And number three is to pray the Angelus. The Angelus is a beautiful prayer recalling the saving action of Christ, who came into the world and died for our sins. I've included the words and actions of the Angelus, if you don't know them, in the section uh, below this podcast. Traditionally, uh, at midday, Catholics would drop whatever they were doing and they would pray the Angelus. In 1974, Pope Paul VI recommended that all faithful Catholics pray the Angelus so that by, quote, recalling the incarnation of the Son of God, they may be led through his passion and cross into the glory of his resurrection. So there are my three recommendations. Sign of the cross, light a candle, pray the Angelus. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, stir my heart to a sincere love of you. Never allow my prayers and actions to be in vain, but to be instead a genuine outpouring of heartfelt faith. Send your Holy Spirit to strengthen me in this time of pandemic, not allowing me to falter in faith, but to be filled with the hope of returning soon to receive you sacramentally at Mass. In the meantime, Lord, draw close to me at home and inspire me to find new ways and customs and traditions of sanctifying my life, my work, my family, and my friends. We ask this in your holy name through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you all, and I'll see you next time.